The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod, the AI revolution with former Google CEO Eric Schmidt. We're just at the beginning of building general intelligence. And a world where we have these systems that we coexist with is something we're not prepared for as a society. A windfall for the IRS with 80 billion new dollars to spend. CNBC's Robert Frank reports on which taxpayers should prepare for a crackdown. W-2 income is not the focus here because there's nothing to see that's not already shown to the IRS. The goldmine is these partnerships. Those conversations today, plus where in the world is Becky Quick? Hint, she's with the Oracle, who's not in Omaha. This is the first time he's been in Japan uh, in about 12 years. Last time he came was 2011. It is Tuesday, April 11th. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Andrew by in three, two, one, cue Andrew. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Joe Kernan and Melissa Lee. Uh, but now we've got some news. We've got to get to Becky because she joins us right now live from Tokyo with our top story of the morning. Good morning. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning, everybody. Um, we are live in Tokyo with Warren Buffett. And as you all know, you know, Warren Buffett has been somebody who has always preferred Omaha over the financial centers of the world. Uh, it doesn't mean he's not interested in the financial centers, and he does visit from time to time. In fact, that's what he's doing this week. He is in Tokyo this week. Um, it's the first time he's been here in 12 years, but he's come because he wanted to check in on the five trading houses that Berkshire bought a position in uh, back in August of 2020. Back in August 30th of 2020, he actually announced to the world that he had accumulated a 5% stake in the five major trading houses in Japan, the biggest trading houses. That's big news, especially in Japan, but around the world, too. Tuchu, Mitsui, Mitsubishi, Marubini, and Sumitomo. Those are the five major trading houses that are responsible for so much of the Japanese economy. They do everything from importing things like energy, materials, uh, textiles, everything that this, uh, the resources that this nation needs to making sure that they're doing financing for everything that goes on uh, beyond that in, in all sorts of places in the economy, including manufacturers and beyond. Um, those five trading houses are known as the Sogo Shosha. It's a very important part of the economy. And uh, he's here meeting with the heads of all five of those companies. We knew that he bought 5%. Uh, again, back in 2020, August of 2020, he had accumulated that position. In November, we found out that Berkshire had bought an additional stake in each of those companies, bringing it above 6%. And, and guys, he just told us this evening that he has bought... 7.4% uh, stake in each of those five companies. The implication is that they could buy even more. He's been meeting with the heads of those companies today and is expected to continue meeting with the rest of them tomorrow. Again, this is the first time he's been in Japan uh, in about 12 years. The last time he came was 2011. 
Uh, one of the things he's been doing is, again, talking to those companies. But the, uh, Berkshire is also issuing a major bond issuance in yen. Um, Berkshire is the largest foreign entity to issue bond in yens here in this country. And they had about 55 billion that was coming due, 55 billion in yen that was coming due and maturing. Part of that is to replace uh, the amount that's maturing. Um, there's been a lot of speculation that this could be a move to invest potentially more in Japan as well. And, and guys, again, you know that he likes hanging out in Omaha, likes staying there. Um, but I think he's been pretty excited to see some of the offerings here, see what the, the people at these trading houses are up to, um, and, and just get to the chance to check in with all of them. Um, we can tell you right now that Warren Buffett is going to be joining us live on Squawk Box tomorrow from 6 to 9 a.m., three-hour show. We'll also be sitting down for part of that time with Greg Abel, who is the heir apparent for Buffett at Berkshire Hathaway eventually. This is something we found out a couple of years ago, too. Um, Greg Abel runs all of the non-insurance operations at Berkshire. He's a vice chairman at Berkshire, and again, he is the heir apparent to Warren Buffett. So we'll be sitting down with both of those gentlemen. We'll be doing that here in Japan tomorrow, three hours live on Squawk Box. We remember Japan when Japan was actually, we talked about Japan the same way we talk about China today. It was about I don't know, when was it? Pebble, yeah. They bought Pebble Beach. You remember. 80s. Uh, I guess it was back in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. late it's 80s. Been, it's been a long, yeah. uh, I mean, they've done well, obviously, but we haven't thought of them in the same way. Inflation's been stuck uh, in a problem, and we know about demographically how difficult it is for Japan to grow. Does, does Buffett, from what you can tell, does he see changes in, in the wind in terms of any of, those, uh, of any of those things, or just these... These uh, five trading houses look cheap. He already owns some, figures he'll do it. Or are things finally turning a corner, does he think, in, in Japan? You know, I, I don't know about the larger issues on Japan. We'll have to ask him about that tomorrow, where he sees the future of this company or of this country. But I, I, I know he's been very positive on it. But if you were just looking at the stock prices of those trading houses, um, they were all at, at, at incredible cyclical lows and were trading very cheap um, back when he was buying it and before he announced it. They've all taken off since uh, the news came in that Berkshire had been buying, that Buffett had been buying. And those stocks were all up today between 2 and 3% on the news that he had bought in additionally. But if you look at a five-year chart of any of those companies, you will see uh, the cyclical low that they hit. They were trading, I think, below book value, some of them. And they have all done better since then. Um, I guess if he's still buying, you can assume that he still thinks they're undervalued. Um, but they were sitting, you can see uh, 2020, the very lows that they set in before the news came out. And again, it was August of 2020 when he announced, but it was a stake he'd been building up in the 12 months prior to that. And the stocks have all done very well since then. So you could say that this was something where he was being opportunistic and he was jumping in. But we'll have to ask him more about that tomorrow, too. Hey, Becky, I'm curious if this coincides or is fueled in part by the change at the helm of the BOJ and the anticipated change in monetary policy in that country from super accommodative to somewhat tighter, which is what everybody had expected when the, this new BOJ governor, Ueda, came in. He gave a press conference actually uh, yesterday, I believe, and said that he's going to stick by super accommodative policy, which helped the Nikkei gain overnight. 
Um, so how does that factor in, if at all? You know, it, it's interesting that you bring that up. I have never heard Buffett mention any of those things, and I have had some conversations with him about it. Uh, but it's a fair point. He's not somebody who ever ignores uh, the macro, uh, particularly what any central bank might be doing at any point in time. That's certainly been a factor in the investments he's made in the United States over the last decade plus, is kind of watching to see what the central bank was doing. I don't know if that factored in here. He's never mentioned that to me, and it's not been something that's been at the top of his mind with these things. But again, that is worth putting the question to him tomorrow. And if you look at what he's done in the United States, uh, what the Federal Reserve is doing has always been front and center. He's always talked about how um, when you're looking at interest rates, they act like like gravity, basically. basically. And when interest rates are, uh, rates are very low, uh, there's not a lot of gravity pushing down on equity prices. That's certainly been the case. I'm not sure how he's factored in what the Bank of Japan is doing here, though. So he wanted to get out more from, from Omaha. So he's like, let's see. <laughs> I mean, there's some other stops. I could have. Where should uh, we go? The Amalfi yeah. Coast is. All, he flew right over that, I guess. Uh, right to Tokyo. Yeah, that's like. Is that on the other side? I think it is. I, Twelve-hour difference. And I don't think he's. I don't think he's doing much sightseeing. Well, it's a, actually a thirteen-hour difference. Thirteen it's, hour. uh, 7 p.m. here, just after 7 p.m. I don't think he's doing much sightseeing. I think for him, sightseeing is getting the chance to talk to the heads of each of these companies. Um, those are the type of things that you know rate high on 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 his list in terms of what he wants to check off while right. he's here i just i geez. i got out a little bit today but yeah. just you know he's not a young guy i mean if, i don't know how long that flight is in coach but uh he must have been uh i mean you get a little antsy probably uh on that you know i think there's, you know, there's, Joe, a, I think Joe, there's a bed in the indefensible <laughs> Yeah, right. I, I, I was. I would say he has said to me that if you find him in a commercial in a commercial airline terminal, you will know he's lost. <laughs> All right, uh, I think I knew that. I think I knew that. Great news, Bex. No, Looking yeah, forward yeah. to this big interview tomorrow. Tomorrow. Thanks, guys. Cheese will be next. Coming up on Squawk Pod, the AI arms race with Google's former CEO and chairman, Eric Schmidt. It, it will become clear in the next six months who the leaders are. Give it six months. Plus, artificial intelligence leverages human talent. Along with the singularity could come immortality, according to Ray Kurzweil. Well, your voice, Andrew, is going to be with us forever. Ah! That's all after this break. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. This is Squawk Pod. Good morning and uh, welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC, live from uh, the NASDAQ market site in Times Square, I think. I'm Joe Kernan, along with Andrew Ross Sorkin and Melissa Lee. Becky, she's like far away. 
far 13 far hours away in Tokyo. In, uh, this she's morning. in Tokyo. Alibaba's cloud computing announcing a rollout of its AI technology. The chatbot will possess Chinese and English language capabilities and eventually be integrated across Alibaba's various businesses. Meantime, Chinese regulators releasing, releasing I should say, draft rules designed to govern AI products. Among the ground rules, it must, quote, embody the core values of socialism uh, and can't subvert state power. It must respect intellectual property and accuracy. The regulator uh, says that providers will be responsible for any content generated. And that's a nice segue to our next guest who knows a lot about uh, the risks and rewards of artificial intelligence, somebody who's uh, seen the future and knows it well. Eric Schmidt is here. He's the former Google CEO and chairman. He's now co-chair of the Special Competitive Studies Project, co-founder of Schmidt Futures, a philanthropic initiative that funds science, tech, and social research, including AI and other things. It's so nice to see you. Uh, we're all trying to make sense of what's going on and just how fast this is all moving. I was telling everybody yesterday on the broadcast, I spent the weekend playing with uh, ChatGPT4 and my mind was blown, and I just think about all of the, the implications, um, that some of which I can't even begin to think about. But there's a real move afoot, it seems like. Uh, we've heard from Elon Musk and so many others in this space to say maybe we should slow down. What do you think of that? Well, what they wanted was a six-month moratorium, which right. would have only benefited China, which is not a good idea. I don't think China is going to lead in this area because they can't take the emergent behavior of these systems. These systems were, were based on predicting the next word, the next sentence, the next paragraph, but they're showing remarkable ability. So, for example, you can say, build me a website, and it will write the code to build the website. What an improvement. So when you think, though, about the implications of that, um, right now we're spending a lot of time talking about ChatGPT. There's some conversation about BARD, which is Google's version of this. Is this eventually a uh, winner-take-all world? Is there going to be you know, dozens of these things? How does this all work? And, does, and if there are dozens, does it become commoditized? So first place, this technology is incredibly powerful. It's going to be used everywhere. Every time you have to, the computer asks you a question, why does the computer not generate the answer for you? Why doesn't it do the advertising for you instead of you generating? All of this generative AI will allow that. So every site, every app you use will use this in some form. There'll be lots of different right. such things. So for example, the, the Alibaba thing is something American companies are already doing. No problem. There will be a few extremely large models that will cost a billion dollars, five billion dollars. And those things are the ones everyone is going to watch because we don't know what they're going to do. We know that every level of scale, we've seen behavior that we did not anticipate. They are polymathic in their ability to look across fields and do things. But is that more about the, the model itself or the data that it's training off of? Because we keep talking about um, the, the two and how people are going to make money, by the way, off of some of these data sets. Well, nobody's making money on this stuff right now. Uh, there are lots of people trying to. There's right. a gazillion startups. There's enormous amount of capital. People will make money on it. But right now, it's a technological achievement of a scale that's remarkable. It's data, it's compute, and it's programmers, that is algorithms. We're just at the beginning of building general intelligence. And a world where we have these systems that we coexist with is something we're not prepared for as a society. Eric, you remember, I remember it well, the, the 
the revolution in CAD CAM CAE. Back back in the Route 128, I, w- I was back there and all those companies. This sounded like a description of, of the next generation, computer-aided design, computer-aided manufacturing, computer-aided engineering. We're just doing the same thing. It, it, it's much better, it's much more advanced, but is it quantum different? Is it, yes. it, 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 it is. It, it is. And, is and, there a sentient being on the horizon in, let me, in our lifetime? Let me tell you right now, yes. it's not alive, it's not conscious, it's not sentient. It, it just, will it be? It just looks like it. Okay, all it's doing is protect, protect multi-scale systems, so it's not, which is okay. very useful in science. There are many multi-scale systems in biology and chemistry. This will lead to huge breakthroughs, for Drug example, in in drugs, for example, we were talking about Moderna and so forth, all of these technologies are transformative at that level. We don't know. The biggest issues will be how people interact with these systems. When it becomes your best friend, what will you think about normal human Why did it all happen? That's the other thing I asked you. So I I had, you know, mea culpa. I I owned a lot of stuff for my clients when I was a stalker called Symbolics. I remember. And I talked to you about it. Yes, I loved it. The the CEO of of Novell took over at Symbolics and that gave it credibility. So that's, you know, I built a position that didn't work, but that was, what, 35 years ago. What changed between artificial intelligence then and now? What what was the the most important thing? The first thing is enormous amounts of computers. These computers are supercomputers like you've never seen. But in 2011, a set of people organized a competition around imaging called ImageNet, and they figured out a way to get computer vision better than human levels. In 2015, a group of people built systems that games better on and learn the games by themselves. In 2017, the T in GPT is transformers, which is a way of basically prioritizing attention and looking at big scale systems. Mm. Those achievements, which are computers, algorithms, right, and lots and lots of data are incredible. Remember that these systems you're seeing have taken $100 million of money to train them. That's how expensive they are right now. And they're expensive to run. I mean, you're playing with ChatGPT over the weekend. Right. Each search costs a lot more than just an ordinary Bing search these days, at least, not you know, without right. a scale. So, Eric, I'm wondering how we should think about the change to the economics of a business like Google's, for instance, Alphabet's Google search engine, where, you know, instead of having a sponsored link, et cetera, how does that work? How do you, how does that business have to transform in order to make money off of search when search becomes AI? Enabled. Well, today, if you use the GPT category things, it doesn't work very well for search because they're not current. They've been trained for a while. I asked it who would win the Oscars, and it gave me an answer two years ago. So at the moment, they're not recent. At some point, that'll catch up. But remember that in Google, Google is about advertising. Just generate the ads for answers, read the answers, and summarize them for me. That should drive revenue. But, but let me ask you this. All, you know, there's the search piece for, for Google. But there's every other site that benefits from Google. Right now, it's a two-way street, right? You put in the search, and somebody can monetize it on the other side. A newspaper, NBC, whatever, can monetize it through advertising subscriber, a subscription. A doctor can monetize it because you're going to go to their website and decide you're going to go visit that doctor, and that's how they monetize it. If everything's one way, meaning the system is learning and effectively learning off of all of this information, but never sending you back to it, well, what happens to, to, to all of those effectively information providers? Every single one of these systems is going to give you a summary and then it's going to show you what its sources were because you're not going to trust it initially. The question of attribution and who gets credit 
is a huge issue. If you take somebody's artistic work right. and you feed it into ChatGPT and it produces something that looks like that but isn't the right. same, do you owe them money? So, but, th but that's the question. Do you think the copyright laws are going to effectively have to change? There's a song, by the way, you can go listen to right now, that sounds like Jay-Z. It's a new song that's, that's been floating around for the past week. It, I mean, you would think it is Jay-Z. They effectively sampled his voice, but not sampled his voice the way we used to sample, uh, you know, rhythms and voices. And, and the question is, does Jay-Z, should Jay-Z be paid for that or not? I'm and sure for so long, we, we uh, you know, artists would hear other music and they would try to do music, you know, someone would say, oh, that sounds like a Michael Jackson song or that sounds like a Taylor Swift song, whatever, but it, but it isn't. This is different. I'm sure Jay-Z will want his money. There's an unannounced product that will, you can record your own voice for 15 seconds. Yes, I and the system, played with a stealth version of this literally this weekend. It was mind-boggling, mind-boggling. So what did you do? You recorded yourself 15 minutes, and what did you cast yourself into 15 seconds? What did and you cast then you could into? type anything, and out came the my voice. The demo I saw was my friend's voice in Martin Luther King's I Had a Dream yes. speech. It was chilling. 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 And so, but do you, do you, okay, from a policy perspective, though, and this goes to, I think, the Elon Musk of it all and, and the folks who are saying maybe there should be a timeout, part of the timeout isn't just about the technology, it's about having policy catch up with it. It's, it's not a good idea to time out and let your competitors right. win. It's much better to get the policy people I, to I'm work on this timeout. The question is, where are we on the policy? Because I'm not even sure. I mean, so, so we the, all know about it a little bit here, but so I don't, the, we probably know a lot more than people in Washington do the, about the this. The industry has working groups working really hard on this, which I've met with. The government doesn't understand yet. And that's okay. It's so new. It's happening so fast. Remember, ChatGPT got 100 million users, right, in two right. months. Gmail took five years. So, Eric, I talked about 35 years ago. Okay, let's go 35 years. You're ago. still upset about some. No, dogs. no. I'm talking now. I'm talking about Ray Kurzweil, Werner Ving. Have you read Fire? And yes. It, so you've read that it, it, fiction. Is there any way we're approaching the singularity where, well, in, Ray, in the terms of Ray Kurzweil? Yeah, Ray, Ray talks about the singularity, which was estimated in, in, 20, in the 2040s, which is the point at which computers can evolve faster than humans. Yeah. It could happen. It's science fiction today. He's, but it he's goes brought some, that date in there. It, it goes something like this. These systems, right, yeah. which today are, don't have memory, they get confused, they get hallucinated, and so forth. Eventually, if they can feed themselves information, so here's a good example. Tell the system, work really hard to learn everything about the world and feed it into yourself. So it learns and it learns and it learns and it learns and you could eventually get that. We don't know yet. We don't know yet. Well, along with the singularity could come immortality, according to Ray Kurzweil. Well, your voice, Andrew, right. is going to be with us forever. Ah! <laughs> oh, no. I want to go back to the, the sort of here and now of it. When you look at just the competitive landscape, because you know about a number of both the stealth startups and others, but then the Microsoft of it all and the Google of it all, what happens, meaning how do you see this play out in terms of the winners and losers at this point? So, so first place, there are going to be four or five huge of these projects. Okay. And they're going to cost a billion dollars. And they're going to be watched like hawks because of this question of emergent behavior. There are going to be thousands of companies below. And those thousands will be specialized, right? So there'll be a specialized advertising company and so forth. What we don't know is whether it's the existing companies or not. Every single piece of technology that was invented in my career in the last 20 years, all the apps that you right. all use need to be rethought with generative AI. Um, the ability to generate pictures. Um, think about it. Why do you have to take a TikTok video? Right. Just describe the video, have the system make it for you. 
It makes perfect right. sense. But do you say to yourself, you know, we talk, we talk about Google, we talk about Microsoft. You know who we don't talk about? We don't talk about Amazon. Uh, by the way, they had a massive lead in, in some parts of this universe because of Alexa, you would have thought. Um, Siri on Apple, where is Apple in this? And, so how, and do they end up having to rely on a chat GPT? You know, that, now that's supposed to be an open source so, well, I mean, is, is, and by the way, is OpenAI really open anymore? No, no, ChatGPT is not open. Um, both Apple and Amazon have massive efforts inside of them that are not announced to use this technology. The obvious thing as an outsider is Alexa and Siri. Right. You want a more intelligent thing to talk to, right? It just makes their lives better, and I'm sure they're working on it. I mean, could it be dangerous? I mean, uh, the six-month pause is because we don't know what social media is going to look like. With, yeah, with well, the, but could it ever be dangerous to humans? Is this really your fear, Joe? No, I, I read a lot of science fiction, and, and you've seen, you saw so, 2001, so, so, right? So, so, does it bother so you if I ask this? So, is, so, is no, it, no, no, I'm just curious. 2001, they did, it would not open the door for but, the humans. But, right? yeah, <laughs> yes, and by the way, that was a movie done in the 1960s. I, unbelievable. The first question I I asked uh, a chat, a, the ChatGTP predecessor was, what's the device that was in 2001, a space odyssey that we use today? And it cr answered the, correctly, the answer correctly, which was iPad. The most important danger here is the proliferation of the raw versions of these models. If you ask the, the system you use, the right. GPT-4 system, they worked really hard to prevent you from asking it about bomb making and biology right. and racism and all those things, which you wouldn't do anyway. But the fact of the matter is that if you release them in open source, those protections can be stripped away. Right. And we know there are evil people right. in the world, and we know that there are some smart evil people, and, and they could use that yeah, for bad. And that's dangerous. How quickly does, does this go from being used to write things for us, right? A presentation, you know, if you're a bank analyst, by the way, today, that seems like a job that, I mean, there's a lot of jobs that, but where it goes from writing something to actually doing something. Even by, I mean, when I say doing something, I mean, you know, Expedia is now trying to integrate this into their service. But once it starts to start making transactions for you, and the transactions are going to be negotiated not just with humans, but possibly bots negotiating right. with other bots. So get and me the best price. Right. But then the question right. is, is, can it get beyond us, right? Well, once the bots are talking to the other bots. That's the question of, of liftoff. You know, can it actually develop some form of intelligence? And we just don't know. There's a right. lot of speculation on that. But the fact of the matter is this technology is going to be pervasive. It is dangerous in the sense that if it's used without its guardrails, he can do bad stuff, right? Um, in terms of the competition, you know, we had Google launch BARD. It was sort of a botched launch. Uh, the stock went down on the back of it. Satya Nadella has told the FT that it's, it's gunning for some of the share. And for so long, Google had just the juggernaut on search. Is this a seminal moment for Google and for Alphabet in that these other competitors are there when it comes to their AI and integrating into search? And could this be a moment where search is up for grabs to some extent? I don't think so. Um, Google has something like half of the world's AI researchers at this level. Google invented much of this technology. Um, Google has larger computational resources than the others. All the others are trying to think. Google has its own hardware architectures for this. Google really did lead. I think there's every reason to think that the Google products right. can become leaders in this space. What did you make of that botch launch? Um, it's hard to know how to launch these systems because you don't know how to test them. Right? Imagine you release it, in, in the, using Bing as an example, it's alter ego Sydney, 
scared the, the, the craziness out of a, a New York Times reporter when it began to discuss with the reporter that he should leave his wife. Now, why did, the, why did uh, Sydney say this to the reporter? Because Sydney had been trained on romance novels, and it was just decided it would go there, right? right? This is the, the hallucination and the randomness. That's why you shouldn't use right. this in life-critical um, situations. Final quick question for you. As somebody who knows this space, to those folks who are out there thinking to themselves, I want to be investing in the universe of AI, is there a way to do it that's in the public markets today or no? Symbolics. <laughs> Not yet. Okay. I think it's, it, it will become clear in the next six months who the leaders are. Give it six months. Uh, Eric Schmidt, uh, the real version of Eric Schmidt today, a year from now, uh, we might have the chat GPT version. So thank you. It's great thank to you. see you. Thank you, guys. Up next on Squawk Pod, 80 billion new dollars for the IRS, CNBC's Robert Frank on how they'll spend it and what it means for America's wealthy. As part of this plan, there's a huge focus on data analytics and new algorithms that could maybe not tell them who's not paying their taxes or how much, but at least sort of identify the types of returns that might be red flags. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. Stand by, Joe, in three, two, one. Here's Joe Kernan. The IRS releasing its plan for spending $80 billion in new funding, and it could mean a big crackdown uh, on wealthy people and corporations. Robert Frank joins us now with more. I hope they find more than $80 billion, or I just would have kept the $80 yes, billion. They, yeah, they hope so, too, Joe. And uh, high earners, high income taxpayers, they should get ready for a lot more audits. The IRS hiring over 7,000 new enforcement agents over the next two years as part of that $80 billion funding plan. Their goal is to narrow what's known as the tax gap. That's the more than half trillion dollars of taxes owed that go uncollected every year. Now, one of their chief targets will be partnerships. The IRS saying the number of partnerships has soared by more than a third over the past decade to over 4 million. Partnerships over $5 million have increased by 75% over that period. Wealthy taxpayers increasingly use complex partnerships and layers of LLCs and pass-throughs to minimize their taxes. The IRS also saying it's going to increase the audit rate for high earners overall. Audits for those earning more than a million dollars or more have fallen by 90% over the past decade to less than a tenth of 1%. The IRS also plans to develop what it calls advanced data analytics to better identify and target returns. And they plan to go after crypto digital assets, and other what they call novel emerging issues. Now, the IRS saying audit rates will not change for those making less than $400,000 a year. The CBO estimating it's going to raise all of this will raise an additional $180 billion through 2031. Joe? So, Robert, um, W-2 earners, what I don't understand is there's, there's, if you're a W-2 earner, even if you do well, I've got a friend who does pretty well, but he's a W-2 earner, there's nothing to mess around with. You do, it's like, a, here's the amount, here's what you owe, here's what you pay. There's no deductions anymore, are there? After the Trump tax law, so. They're, they're charity, Joe, a, you, that, that friend of yours doesn't give any money to charity? Yes, yes, yeah, but that that's cap okay, two. that's a deduction. Isn't that cap two? No, 
Nope, that's not cash. So you could, so if okay, the, the, if you I, claimed that you gave you know ten times more than you do, they could find that. Well, if you don't, yes, what yes, else? As a, as a what, share what, of what your else? income, as but a share you see of your what I'm saying? It's mo- it's yeah. mostly people that yeah. probably do LLC. What, what, what? Where is the real gold mine for the audits? Where would they be able to find things where people can? Make a hundred or two hundred or three hundred thousand dollar differences in, in their taxes. You're absolutely right about W two income is not the focus here because there's nothing to see that's not already shown to the IRS. The IRS gets the form. Right. You paid those taxes. It's like take your best shot. Uh, there's so, nothing so the there. gold mine, the gold mine, the gold mine is these partnerships, and they have just exploded in size and number over the past ten years. It's almost like it's become its own shadow tax system where. You know, if you have a private business and then interlocking layers of LLCs and pass-throughs and you get your real estate depreciation, you get your business deductions, you get all kinds of capital loss carry-forwards, and, and there are all kinds of things that you can play with as a pass-through that you can't with W-2. And so there's a suspicion that this huge explosion in pass-throughs, both in terms of the income that they're generating as well as the, the number is where there's, there could be a lot of unpaid taxes. Hey, Robert, you know, we keep talking about AI and ChatGPT, and, you know, it's fascinating to see how, how AI can analyze effectively. You give it, you know, a ton of data, and it is able to actually, to some degree, analyze what is happening. Where is the IRS with AI technology, with actual numbers and databases? Because it seems to me that if they actually had the technology to do it, I would imagine AI very quickly would be able to flag and identify things that don't look right, if not be able to do more than that. Yeah, it's a terrific point, Andrew, and it's one that the IRS has been thinking about. You know, the new commissioner uh, could simply ask ChatGBT who's not paying their taxes. Maybe there might be an answer. But as part of this plan, there's a huge focus on data analytics and new algorithms that could maybe not tell them who's not paying their taxes or how much, but at least sort of identify the types of returns based on previous audits and current findings that might be red flags that they weren't noticing before. Now, right right now, the red flags they look for are sort of, you know, excessively large business deductions, things like hobby deductions. If, if they really drill down, hobby, and, and again, deduction? they're going to spend a lot on... T- well, that's what, like, what people do with their racehorses. They can deduct a large part of that. Um, there, there's a whole category of taxes Uh-oh. that Uh-oh. I'm, I'm they're not the supposed to deduct, here. but, gotta, but, but, but they can. I don't have a hobby yeah. deduction. Hobby but but yeah. dog, Really? I don't know. Yeah, four dogs. Can, can be a do- a now, I claim my dogs as dependents. Is that... Uh, they have four of them. Is <laughs> am I, have I got an issue? They are. They might as well be with the, how much Chewy and all that stuff costs. Uh, I don't know, Robert. I don't. To your point, Andrew, technology and improved data analytics is going to be a huge component as an overlay to these audits to better identify, you know, but what far, types I mean, of they're announcing this now. How many years are they away from actually being able to pull this off in, in an effective way? And, and when you start to layer in technology, when can that even come to be? And I say that, by the way, because I, I know there are people who are watching this broadcast saying, well, you know what, uh, I think that there, what, is there a, was it a five, seven-year period? What's the, what, what's the look-back period? There are people who are counting the days, I'm sure. It's typically at least three years. And you're right, this is going to take a long time. We all know 
the government sector, the IRS in particular, is way behind on technology. And that was a big reason for a lot of this, this uh, funding increase. All right. Robert Frank, thanks uh, for, for bringing us that. Yeah, I don't know who's out there sweating at this point. I think you named some, some, of, the, uh, some of the issues. Well, I like how you're like, I'm my friend, my W-2 well, earner I just, friend. I'm you're trying like, to I'm figure sure out. people are counting the days, some people out there. Right. Right. No, but no, my fr- if <laughs> you're a you W-2, look, look, I'm, I, the, the taxes we pay if you're just W-2 with no write-offs. I mean, we used to be able to write off our agent. We, we're not able to write off uh, agent. New Jersey state tax, that is like a huge amount, no longer. But that's why when people complain how, how great those tax cuts a couple of years ago were for the wealthy, it's like it's probably a 20 or 30 percent increase for people in New Jersey and New York. Wouldn't you say? Uh, I'm more. I feel like I pay enormous That's what taxes. I, well, yeah. 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 You do. I do. You do. And we're well. I, I'm not complaining. We it's a high-class well. problem. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a high, but I'm just wondering, it, you know, I was audited once long ago. I moved back from California um, when FNN was acquired by CNBC, and I had a $5,000 moving expense, which I was entitled to, and that supposedly... I was making $40,000 a year. They audited a per- person making $40,000 a year because of a $5,000 moving expense. And, you know, you can't believe what you got to do, Sorkin. I'm telling you, you cannot believe what, you, what they asked for. You got absolutely nothing. It was a, that's why, you know, when we argue about whether we need to do that, it's like, uh, and it better not be weaponized. Lois Lerner, whatever her name was, from a couple of years ago. Remember that? Anything with Patriot in the name, you got audited. Remember that? Tea Party, audit. Patriot, audit. That was done, and it better not happen again. Well, you should be very happy then. They're actually auditing the partnerships. Right, if it has Patriot in the name. And that's the pod for today. On our rundown tomorrow, Warren Buffett, the Berkshire Hathaway chairman and CEO, joins our Becky Quick from Japan. This is his first Squawk Box interview in several years. You don't want to miss it. As always, to get the smartest takes, analysis, and interviews from our TV show right into your ears, follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And let us know what you think. We're on Twitter, at Squawk CNBC. Thanks for listening. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.